0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number Stores or sleepnumber.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal of Hill. Marca Mesut Özil. Alexis en el descuento ha marcado el
1: This is Arscast Extra.
0: Hello there, and welcome to another Arscast Extra. As always, I'm joined by James from Gunnar Blog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Um, Where Where do we
1: start with this? I don't know. That was a really weird game in a really weird season. Uh, it's really difficult to know what to make of it, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Um, apart from, you know, as I said on the blog this morning, just wrapped up in the ridiculousness of of Arsenal, and not just yesterday, but overall, the whole club seems to be mired in a ridiculousness, which is evidenced in, in games like that. Um, it's not the result as such, is it? Because... Beforehand, if somebody said you drew you drew two two at Amfield, or you take a draw at Amfield, you kind of go, well, you know, all right. On paper, it's not the worst result in the world, but it's the circumstances of the result that have just got us scratching
1: our heads and other bits this morning. I think so. Yeah, I think it's the I think it's the result. I think it's the performance as well. I think if we'd yeah got two two but played well the feeling be very different. But actually we were so poor that in a funny sort of way, the only thing that could have cancelled that out was something like nicking a win. And then being in a position to do that and throwing it away as we did is pretty galling. You know, mm. it's, it's a real gut punch. And, but entirely unsurprising. I was at no stage confident that we would see that out. Yeah, I mean, what did you think was the
0: biggest issue yesterday? Um, for me, it was the fact we didn't have a midfield. Yeah, I mean that didn't help. No, I mean that's usually a very handy thing to have in a game of football because it helps you link your defence and your attack, and it helps protect your defence. And you know,
1: it, I didn't realise you'd, you'd done all your badges. Yeah,
0: yeah, I have. That's that's the main thing because it it, it takes place in the middle of the field. Oh right, you see.
1: So I see, I never got that. I always wondered. I thought it was a funny
0: name. Yeah, that's why the forwards are forward and the centre-backs and the full-backs are, are back but the midfield is this great big space between the two
1: of them. This and when is you is my I know, it's really uh, This is high. like when people found out that the numbers on the toaster represented minutes and not degrees of toastiness it's one of those, you know. The, the what? The numbers on a toaster apparently a lot of people didn't know that those represent minutes, people just thought it was degrees of toastiness, it caused sort of, in England at least, national is outcry. That, is that for real? Yeah. Holy shit. (laughs) I just thought it was like how dusky you liked your toast. Exactly. No, apparently it is related to time. Mind-blowing, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. Fucking hell. So now we've both had our our minds opened. Um, What what a podcast this is. yeah, yeah. it it really wasn't helpful, especially considering that Liverpool's formation was basically all the midfielders. Mm. They had three defenders and then... I think well, let me do the maths what is it seven midfielders you know they had a bunch of guys sitting deep two wing backs who were effectively midfielders and Raheem Sterling mm. up top and it meant they had a lot of players happy to operate in that space you know between our, our defence and our attack Matthew Flamini took a lot of stick but I actually although he was not great I don't think it was entirely his fault I think it was more a structural thing I thought the gap between the back four and our supposed midfield was just way way too big yeah and obviously Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain wasn't fit
0: yeah you know I think the the, the fact that we don't have any other option apart from Francis Coquelin a guy who was shipped out on loan to Freiburg a guy who was shipped out on loan to Charlton which I think is indicative of how Arsene Wenger sees him and his ability to
1: play in the Premier League um uh you yeah, know I he, think he's he's finished at Arsenal really yeah I mean, Bringing Coughlin back is the same as bringing Kalfstrom in. It's a, an emergency option, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, but Oxet-Chamberlain
0: wasn't fit. Flamini didn't play particularly well. Uh, Santi Cazorla, you know, our best player on the day, I thought, really. Mm. Um, and, and then ahead of that, you had Welbeck with probably his worst game for us. Mm. Alexis,
1: similarly... I think it might have been his potentially his worst game yeah, as well.
0: Um, Giroud... Uh, you know, he scored a great goal, um, but was culpable for, for Liverpool's first. Uh, but, I, but, but I think when you go into a game like that, and you don't have a midfield. you You've got no chance of controlling the game in any way. And that was even evident when we were down to, or when they were down to 10 men. And in the last, what did we have, 10 minutes or 11 minutes of them down to 10 men. And all we needed to do was just stay compact and keep our shape and play a bit of football. And we couldn't do that. We couldn't no. do that. We were so... We sat so deep that we just invited pressure on ourselves and yeah, the goal. Oh.
1: I mean, we got a warning, didn't we? They had a, a, a corner about eight minutes before that where Skirtle got to it and headed over. Yeah. Um, but we didn't learn. And, and it's so frustrating to watch, isn't it? Because what's clear, and I think you wrote about it in your blog this morning, looking at that set piece, the players are constricted by that zonal setup. They can see Skirtle's there. But they're all ostensibly, in inverted commas, doing their jobs. They're all in their correct zones where they've been told to be. It just so happens that the opposition aren't there. So I don't know what you do in a situation like that. Does a player have to take individual responsibility and say, right, I'm breaking from what we practice because I can see that it's going to be a problem? who who's at fault there is it the organization or is it the individuals on the field at the time i
0: i don't know i don't know the answer to that having never ever uh, played uh, football even at the terrible level i play in a zonal marking system i don't know what the what the answer is there um i know that if The best header of the ball in the Liverpool side is standing free in the penalty area, you know, waiting to get a run at the ball. I think you've got to do something about it. Somebody has got to say, "Uh, shit, we better get in the way of this. Because, I mean, we didn't have to do very much to, to, uh, to defend that. Literally just get in Skirtle's way. Yeah. and um i think if you if you look at the image maybe the the player who perhaps could have done something there was Dabushi. right uh because uh, i'm not sure if he's got he's obviously got a zone um, but you if you look at the picture he's not got a man whereas Murta sacker has got a man, I think Coquelin has got a man, uh, Monreal is about to take Sacco. Uh but the problem is is that Liverpool have players on the edge of the box too who if they arrive and Debuchy leaves his zone and they score, then you know I, I, I don't know, but it's just bad. There's got to be a uh there's got to be an understanding other players should know what to do in that situation, right?
1: You'd think. I mean and if you think about the way Osuminga coaches a lot of it are, is on the basis of the players taking initiative on the field, making decisions for themselves. What's clear is that nobody knew how to do that in this situation. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not as if we wouldn't
0: have had a spare man anyway, because we, you know, uh, they, they were down to 10 men. So even if we brought everybody back, maybe we did have everybody back. I'd have to look at it again. But
1: I don't know. We did for most corners, I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah, really odd. And and I think it's that thing of, well, a player's got to go out, as you say, and, and block Skirtle's run. But is there this thing whereby they're told to stay in their zones? If they do that, will they get criticised for abandoning their zone? I don't know. I don't understand, if I'm honest, the intricacies of zonal marking. But it's clear to me that that was what was restrictive to us in, in that moment and cost us a goal. It was a good delivery and a very, very good header but there's definitely more that we could have done to, to stop it.
0: Yeah, and it, it wasn't even that what we had to do was terribly complicated. That's No, I mean, thing. to
1: be honest, should it get to that, though? As in, should we have been under pressure to the extent that we were against a Liverpool side with one less man. Well, that was my thing. I mean, even even when
0: Coquelin came on, I could see the sense of the Coquelin substitution because you're bringing on a defensive midfield player to, mm. to, uh, to, to shore things up. But, you know, we never really got on the ball. We never passed it around for a minute or, or a minute and a half taking any of the pressure off the defence. The defence were obviously very worried about the, the pace of Liverpool and, and the pace of Sterling in particular. But once they were down to 10 men... And we were well into injury time. We should have seen that game out. And the fact that we didn't is just uh, indicative of the mentality in the team or the lack of mentality or, or the brittleness you know, that we have. Um, I, I think maybe was it last season we were, we were actually quite good at defending set pieces? With I assume more or less the same uh, system that, we, that we've got now. Yeah. But I don't know whether we're, we're missing Koscielny, for example, or somebody a bit more aggressive. But, you know, it's just the inevitability of the goal was. I don't know what.
1: I don't know. I mean, people might mention that obviously Giroud came off, but he, he's in that near post area, and that ball would have cleared him anyway. Yeah, so I don't and, and that that's
0: where Welbeck was. Yeah. So Welbeck moved into that Giroud position.
1: Into that, I don't so. think. I don't think that would have helped at all. You know, I, I just—it's very, very difficult to understand. But we, uh, you know, we've seen it so many times before. And this was a pretty, pretty amazingly bad performance overall. I think Opta have said that since they started recording stats, that's the lowest possession we've had of a ball in any Premier League game. What was and it? Thirty-two percent, I think. Wow! And, um, wow. It, yeah, and it's the most uh, shots at our goal we've uh, allowed in any Premier League game that mm. we've recorded. Which, when you consider some of the absolute hammerings we've had, is pretty surprising, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, Wojciech like Szczesny probably deserves some credit for keeping it respectable. I mean, we got a point out of it, which is remarkable considering those numbers.
0: Yeah, I mean, he made some some good saves made some good I felt sorry for him actually, because you know uh the save in particular from Barini was excellent the header, yeah, um, but and in well, the first half, I thought we made a brilliant save from Markovic oh yeah, yeah, well. yeah, that kept it nil nil mm-hmm. um that was that was a big big save um what what then do we how is this gonna affect the team because you're within minutes of doing something that people say you can't do, um which is win away at one of the big teams. And you're uh, in a position where, despite the fact you played terribly, and I don't think anybody can, can argue that Arsenal did, uh, did anything but play terribly yesterday. To lose it then, not lose it, but I mean, to, to let in a goal, an equalizing goal, it feels like a defeat. Mm. It feels like a defeat. The psychological impact that it has on the team. That you know, maybe winning was would get us a little bit over the hurdle. It would break the barrier. Perhaps we could say, well, you know, we won at Anfield and we played terribly, and we can play better than that. So if we play better than that, we can go to X place or Y place and and get a good result. That it does. I mean, that's the way you think after a game like that. If you if you win it, you're thinking, mm-hmm. wow, look, we played badly and we won. We got away with it a little bit. We rode our luck, but hey, that's football. That's the way it happens. Now you're sitting there going, well, we played badly. And we should have won, but we couldn't. Yeah, not that we didn't. So. We couldn't, and that just surely multiplies all the doubts and and uh, and um, was uh, fears and inadequacies that we have. I mean, th- there's got to be a bigger impact than that, particularly in this season where we just haven't we haven't found any
1: consistency at all. Yeah, I mean, whichever way you slice it, Liverpool are a big side, uh, and it would have been a big three points to come away from Anfield with a win. And it is a little bit reminiscent of, say, those games against Manchester United last year where we failed to beat a very, very weak uh, United team. And this was a, a weak Liverpool team. If you look at that front line, it's some miles away from what they had last season. And we were in a position whereby we ought to have made that step and got a, a big victory. And as you say, we just couldn't do it. Uh, and I think it's psychological problems there. I think there are tactical problems that we've already talked about. But it is a concern, and it just means that we're back into this weird, undulating rhythm of having quite a good performance and seeming to have turned a corner and then casually strolling back in the other direction. Mm. Mm. It's, uh, it's, as I said at the top, it's a really, really strange season and one in which we are really struggling to generate any kind of momentum. And although I still am confident we'll make the top four, I do think that at some point (laughs) we're going to need to put together a run of Consecutive victories And uh, We don't seem In any You know That doesn't seem imminent
0: No I I think we're going to Struggle to make The top four
1: Do you really? Yeah Yeah Why? I mean My reason I think Will be alright Is that Everyone else is rubbish If you see what I mean Uh, I think United Will make it And then There's no one else Who I really think Is is massive competition Mm-hmm what about you? I
0: just think we're so brittle. Our confidence is so low. Our players are fatigued. Um, there isn't the the ability to rest and rotate players. Guys are having to play through bad form, which in turn is doing them more damage. Mm. Uh, I think the injury crisis is the single biggest restriction to Arsenal being a successful club. That shows mm-hmm. no sign of abating or being improved in any way. And I think we're going to lose more players as the season goes on. Uh, I think the players that we do have coming back, uh, we can look at it on the one side, okay, well, look, at least we'll have some fresh legs coming in. But um, I just don't know what our system is, what our style of play is anymore. I don't know what formation we should really play. Um, I don't know that the football that we're playing is particularly good. Um, We've spoken about consistency. We can't find any defensive consistency, even if we weren't conceding too many goals, you know. But, you know, clean sheets are few and far between. Three clean sheets in a row uh, a couple of weeks back, and that was like a miracle. So I think that despite the fact I agree with you that those around us are pretty bad, I don't think that our what's the what am I trying to say here I don't think that the fact that we can normally pull it out of the bag is a reason to be confident and I think that maybe a couple of those teams around us aren't necessarily as bad as as we think they might be they could mm. be better than they could be better than us perhaps
1: I do think that our our standing in the league at present is flattered by how bad some other teams have been you know if you think that Liverpool have had a really difficult season to a degree Tottenham who are level with us on points I believe have had a difficult season where their manager was under enormous pressure Everton have not been what they were you know it's easy to say oh look we're sixth within touching distance of the top four but that's only really because there's a lot of teams who ought to be clear of us but have fucked up as much as we have Mm. so it's it's a strange league I still think as I say we've got the chance to be the best of a pretty bad bunch but it will feel odd it will feel very much like if we'd won at Anfield like we don't really deserve it.
0: Yeah. But then again we didn't win at Anfield. So yeah.
1: there there's
0: my there's my worry really is it's that a rub. Yeah. You know I'm not I'm not confident like in previous seasons you were looking at the 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 teams around you going yeah yeah I can see how if we you know if we get our shit together but you know since August, we haven't been able to get our shit together. Mm. We've been trying. I'm sure they've been working hard on the training round. I'm sure the manager is doing every bit that he can. I'm sure the coaches are doing all they can and the players are, are training hard and working hard. But look, we're uh, nearly into 2015 and we're still... The future. The future. 2015, the Hoverboards. Hoverboards and cool
1: things. But look, look, what about this? I mean so weird that I'm sort of trying to put a positive spin on it. Very unlike me. What A week ago or so, we had two 4-1 wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone was saying, oh, you know, we could be seeing something here. How much How much do you think the Liverpool game has done to disturb that momentum? Do you think it's completely knocked it down? Like, how do you feel about that?
0: I, I don't know. I mean, we'll only know when, when we see how we play against Queen's Park Rangers and then West Ham. Um, But, you know, you would like to think that going into a game like Liverpool off the back of two 4-1 wins, which, you know, uh, to varying degrees, you could you could compartmentalize and say, well, look, you know, one team was shit. The other team was, you know, doesn't matter. We got two 4-1 wins. They were good. Just what we needed. The players had eight days of rest. Mm. Eight days. They got some time off to chill out, to relax. They came back. They would have been, um, you know, in training. There would have been all the aches and strains and niggles, you know, nicely massaged out. They had eight days of rest. And now we've got, what, um, five days to the next game, then two days, then three days. This is going to be a big test. Mm. If we can come through these Christmas fixtures, if we get through the Christmas fixtures with, uh, who have we got? We've got Queen's Park Rangers. We've got West Ham, West Ham so tough. and uh, South Southampton. Southampton away. Southampton away. And then the next one is Stoke at home, right? Am I right? Yeah, with an FA Cup game in between, yeah. With an FA Cup game in between. So if we can come out of that run of fixtures there into the fourth round of the FA Cup and with at least 10 points, then maybe we can we can talk about uh, the team... Being in a, in a better place I
1: mean they're not easy fixtures I would no, say No they're not I mean QPR at home You would th- expect Arsenal to win that really Yeah Because that's the kind of game we win This yeah. season Yeah exactly and, and to an extent last season We've always been very, quite good at putting away the Smaller mm. teams at home But West Ham away And Southampton away They're tough Yeah I, I mean they're both above us in the league I believe Uh-huh uh, Both playing we- well yeah. I mean Southampton got a, a big win over Everton at the weekend after a very sticky spell, so their confidence will be somewhat recovered. And West Ham are probably our nightmare in football form, aren't they?
0: Yeah, it's kind of like they're yeah. They're they're yeah, good they're, tonight.
1: Yeah. They're
0: they're gonna be they're gonna be tough because they've got some skillful players and they've got the big threat as well. Uh yeah. and then Stoke at home, you know, we we've got to get ten or twelve points. Really, I mean, and it's I, city I don't think after that's,
1: Stoke as well. It's <laughs> worth saying at the Etihad.
0: <laughs> uh, you see, this is why I don't. I just don't see us getting the required points. If we if we do, I'd be delighted, obviously, but
1: surprised. But then, I mean, this is the question. Then, who is going to come forth? Fucked if I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know.
0: I don't know. Right. And look, things can change very quickly. That if we do go on a bit of a run there, then we could put ourselves in a in, in a kind of a, a good position to to to
1: aim for that top four, but I don't know. It's all, it's all gearing up, isn't it, for a thrilling race for fourth. Yeah, or you know
0: worse. Or worse. Or worse. You know, I just the the the, the team or the players, the squad that we have should be doing a lot
1: better than this. Yeah undoubtedly I mean the injuries as you say are a massive massive thing it's the biggest thing yeah it is the biggest thing I think Um, I suppose the second biggest thing would be if you know you have the most injury prone squad in the league do you have to do more in the transfer market to withstand that yeah yeah Yeah. you do
0: you do but you also have to figure out why the fuck you're the most injury prone team of all time (laughs) no I mean you, you have to What's going on that they can't find out what what the problem is?
1: I don't know. And and what's what's so frustrating about it is that obviously we don't know. You know, Mm. without access to the training and all that, there's no way that anyone from the outside can really guess, apart from the the conspiracy theorists like Raymond Vey or whatever his name is. It's really difficult to say. But it's unbelievable. It can't be bad luck. I don't think the numbers could make sense as you know pure luck
0: yeah you know I I know people have issues with the manager and I think we all have our uh, issues and doubts and some more than others but I think any manager who who had to deal with that kind of an injury crisis is going to be is going to struggle but what you have to come back to then is is the manager in some way culpable for What's going on in terms of the injuries in that? Are the, are the medical staff good enough? Are the physios good enough? Are the fitness people good enough? Are there issues with the training regime? I mean, I don't know what it is, but until we get that sorted out, until we have like 85% of our squad fit and available, rather than what have we got at the moment, 60% or 50%? About half. Yeah. yeah. So until we get the, the majority of our squad available to us for the majority of our games, we're not going to win anything.
1: No, because we're in this slightly mad position at the moment where we've got people on the bench who I don't even think are fit. Yeah, Walcott's not fit. No. And we had it with Koscielny a few weeks ago, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, You know, because the Joel Campbell substitution was a bit of an odd one. It was strange to see him come on in that situation. But then when you look at the alternatives, I feel like we're literally putting people on the bench to make up the numbers. Yeah, I don't know what it's for. Is it for morale? Is it so we think, oh look, that looks all right? I don't, <laughs> but they're I all sitting know. there in casts. I don't know. I mean, it looks to me like if you look at the bench,
0: it looks to me like a bench that's got players on it who can help you turn a game around if you need to, because we're not confident in our ability to get ahead. Mm. Do, you see, do you know what I mean? All oh,
1: right, okay. It's, yeah, it's yeah, much maybe.
0: if if you're if you going to Anfield, you're thinking, well, the first eleven won't do. It. Well, look, you know, I can choose from one of Walcott, Podolski, Campbell. Um, you know, uh, at least they might be able to make an impact if they're called upon.
1: But in what? So do you think if we'd been losing, the Walcott would have been an option potentially?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I think that's the only reason he was there. Right. It's weird, though, isn't it? I, I do feel like it's. Yeah, it's weird and it's it's unhealthy because if he's not fit enough to come on uh, against a 10-man Liverpool when he would have been a more obvious choice to go on the right-hand side than Joel Campbell, Mm. then why isn't he coming on? Because he's not fit enough.
1: Why is he not fit enough?
0: Because, you know, he's been out for so long we just don't have enough players.
1: Fit players, I mean. And obviously the problem is that the ones that we do have subsequently have to play an awful lot of games and incur the risk... Of picking up injuries themselves it is a vicious circle it is indeed it is alright well look
0: we're going to we're going to take a short break um, in which we might have a a drink it's early in the morning but feels like we need one <laughs> possibly yeah possibly uh, we'll be back with some of your questions right after this All right, then. Welcome back to this festive edition of the Arsecast Extra. (laughs) Last one before Christmas. The last one before Christmas, yeah, yeah. Getting people into the spirit of things. Yeah, indeed. With the the misery and the the drunkenness and the beatings and everything <laughs> um, we uh, thank you for all your questions oh yeah before um, before we uh, get on to the questions i just want to say thank you to everybody for for listening this is likely to be the uh, the last Arsecast of 2014 and i reckon i reckon i haven't done all the numbers yet but we're well over 3 million downloads for the wow. whole of uh, 2014 very cool. uh, yeah, it's pretty good, all right. So thank you all very much indeed for listening and for um, putting up with our, you know, stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good Christmas. Have a good Hanukkah. Whatever whatever festival you like. Basically, just have a nice time. Yeah.
0: All right. Will we leave it there now? Will that do? Yeah.
1: yeah. All right.
0: Okay. Uh, we'll, do a, we'll do a few questions. We'll do a okay. few questions. Um, I, I found it a bit difficult to get questions uh, this time because um, so many of them were... Were the same. Uh, like this one from um, Fola Kuti, which is at Fola underscore, but I think the O is a zero. But he okay. says, along with many other people, why can't our corners clear the first man? <laughs> Here we go again, because there were about four billion questions about. Um,
1: Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com dot and use promo code Listen to get fifty dollars off your purchase of five hundred dollars or more. That's code Listen at bluenile.com dot com for fifty dollars off your purchase. Nile dot com code Listen.
0: About corners and how they shit they were yesterday.
1: Yeah. I like this. Gunnar Adam asked, "Why? Why do our fans cheer when we get a corner? It's like cheering a Liverpool goal kick."
0: Mm, and this one from Shane Hamilton: "Do you think if round pitches were introduced
1: without <laughs> any corners, we would win the league?" <laughs> uh, probably not. We'd find another way to concede. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, well, we talked about it last week, didn't we? Our whole theory about hillocks in corners. Yes, little yeah. little um, hills and slopes and gradients affecting mm. affecting it um, I don't know the delivery was really bad yesterday I have to say Alexis was particularly culpable from what I noticed in mm. terms of failing to get it over the, the near post it was like he was aiming corners at his head height <laughs> <laughs> which is like waist height for everyone yeah. else um, I, it's maddening I, I think you said it last week it's got to be practice yeah. it's the only explanation yeah, I they would just agree. don't practice them enough no. no, and I mean that in every respect I mean in terms of the technical thing of actually kicking the ball into the air but I also mean in terms of organisation the runs they make inside the penalty area in order to maximise the chance of scoring a goal I don't think they're organised enough at either end of the pitch and I don't think they practice the delivery enough mm. it, it's the only it's the only explanation as to why other people can do it and we can't. It's because they make it more of a priority.
0: Yeah, and um, a lot of teams have a like a, a dead ball specialist, don't they? A proper corner taker. Mm. Um, and and there are those at Arsenal. So you would you would think Azorla's taken them, Alexis taken them, but we need we need somebody who can uh, put consistent delivery into the box. Because let's say you get five or six or eight corners in a game. I don't know what the average is, but you know you normally get what four or five anyway. Yeah that if the first one hits the first man the second one hits the f- first man the third one hits the first man the opposition are like yeah we're not under any pressure here whereas yeah. if you consistently put a ball in a dangerous position even if the opposition headed it out four times out of five the next time there's a corner they're shitting it because they know that the ball is coming into a dangerous area and it just creates that little bit of that little bit of pressure which um which we we're just unable to generate well, we know all
1: about it because it's what we experience at the other pitch. Yeah. Con- constantly. I mean, the thing is, as a team as well, it seems to me that we, I think we generate quite a lot of corners because of the way we play. Um, even when we play poorly, like we did yesterday, we still had six corners. and You'd think from that you could fashion something decent. Um, but we just don't do it. And it's maddening because I think stats show that they account for a pretty hefty percentage of of goals in the Premier League set pieces and and corners and free kicks and things like that.
0: Mm. But even so, in terms
1: of momentum, you know what I mean, to 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 help
0: build momentum, some attacking momentum if you've got one or two corners, like the difference between when we've got a corner, what I think when we've got a corner and when the opposition have a corner, it's chalk and cheese. Mm. Like I think when we've got a corner, right, we've got to be we've got to be careful here because <laughs> normally what what happens after we get a corner is the opposition have a chance to break, or yeah. or create something, and that that happens far too much, way way too much. Yeah, I yes, mean so that's and that's a points. recent that is a recent development as well. That's not something that always happened. That's a recent development, and that's something that we've got to to sort out. um And of course, that can be solved in, in another way by better delivery. But when they've got a corner. mm I immediately feel the danger, and I know that there's a, a little bit of fatalism in that—that that you're kind of uh, looking at the worst-case scenario, you know, in every in every moment. But it, it feels true that um, the, the the opposition uh, corners tend to be a lot more dangerous than ours. Yeah, simple as that. And there's no reason why it should be that it should be that way, other than we just don't pay enough attention to them.
1: Mm. I agree. Should we move on? Yes. <laughs> okay. Let's have uh, let's have this one from Oliver Brown. He says Is the criticism of Per Murzaka on social media after last night's game a fair one? And I believe this is associated with the the images which showed him sort of seeming to turn his back on Martin Skirtle in in just before the Well,
0: equaliser. I mean I think he had his back already turned to Skirtle. I mean the only thing that I could think of was that as Chambers was going to challenge Skirtle, he gave a shout. And that's why Mertesacker decided to duck out of the way for some reason. Mm. I can't think of any other reason why he would do that. Now, he should have done better. He should have just jumped uh, and tried to to jump for the ball. It was clearly going over his head anyway. But maybe... maybe, maybe just challenging might have done enough to make it more difficult for Skirtle. I don't know but you know to to uh, some of the stuff has been over the top obviously calling him a coward and things like that I think that's uh, I think that's over the top certainly not his finest moment but I think the bigger issue is of course that uh, since he came back and had what a week of preseason mm. uh, you know he's played pretty much every minute of every game without any kind of a rest with a series of partners who suit him to varying degrees or not.
1: Uh, what and did I, you make of uh, Debushi playing at centre back again yesterday?
0: I thought it was weird. <laughs> I thought it was really odd, but I mean, it didn't it didn't backfire by any means, um, and I thought he acquitted himself quite well.
1: Um, but you can only assume that's because they were scared of Sterling, I guess. Against, Chambers yeah, I, I um, think so. the,
0: I think the thing is that Arsene Wenger is looking at Debushi as somebody who possesses more of the qualities of Koscielny than Chambers, Mm. who can complement Mertesacker's style better than Chambers does because Mm. the two of them are are quite similar uh, in in the way that they play. Um, So from that point of view, you know, I I still think it was strange, but I understand it. But the thing with Mertesacker is he's he's, um, struggling for form. Like any player that's struggling for form the more he's being asked to play in difficult situations, the more it's affecting him, I think. And yeah. he's doing things and making mistakes that he didn't make last season uh, or or the season before. So I think we're far too quick to write players off without any real understanding of why they're playing badly. Um, you know, if Per was playing that badly and we had sufficient backup or sufficient quality in depth, then you could rest him and take him out of the team and let him find his... Let him find his uh, his groove again. But we can't because we need him. But, well, you know, he's played every every minute of every game, practically. So, I mean, if we can talk about Alexis being tired, we've got, we got to talk about other players being
1: being on the edge as well. So, I mean, this feeds into a question from uh, Pablo Eagle, who says, should we be looking for backup to Murtsaka or replacement? I asked the question based on his whole season of form, not just yesterday.
0: I think what you're looking for... In centre back is somebody who is able to challenge yeah. your two um, your two uh, first choice centre halves, which as it stands is Kaciany and Mertesacker. But if you bring in a player who can usurp either one of those I mean you've got to look to improve your squad or improve your first team that that must be the the, the first thing you look at when you bring in a player right mm-hmm. is um, okay sometimes you' got to bring in somebody who's just a bit of squad fodder but in, a, in an important position like center half you've got to bring in the best player you can possibly get and if that creates right. competition or if that means somebody has to sit in the bench fine
1: yeah because it's for the benefit of the team right? I would agree with that you know I don't think I seem to recall a time where a few people saying well Koscielny and Murtzak is the, very much the established partnership you can't bring in someone who's going to threaten that but I don't agree with that and I think that we, we don't have the defensive stability we did for a variety of reasons and I think a lot of people coming to the club would see an opportunity to establish themselves in the team so I think it's about bringing someone in with the quality to complement Murtzak and Koscielny but also as you say challenge them mm uh who that
0: player is in january uh i don't know but uh you know every week uh, what what we do next month or what we do as soon as the transfer window opens becomes more and more and more important hmm. um, so let's hope that Brian McDermott and whoever else is out there scouting has found the right man um and that we can bring them in because uh you know we badly badly need the right amount of defenders in the squad now
1: Can I be cheeky and ask you another question Of course, yeah. This is from Flanny Balls. And he says, on that note, very smooth link, do either of you actually believe we'll do the necessary business in January to stabilise the squad? Uh, Yeah, I think we'll get somebody.
0: Whether it's the necessary or enough, I don't know. But I I can't believe that we won't get anybody because you, you can't, I mean... It's like driving on three wheels at the moment. Mm. And for a while, maybe you've got to like shuttle on down the road and wobble on down until you reach a garage. But you wouldn't drive past the garage and not get another wheel, right?
1: What if the garage was too expensive or not top, top quality?
0: Uh, I think uh, you're in a position where you don't really have any choice. Yeah. You don't have any choice.
1: Yeah. I I think that as well. And I think that it's... Um, <clears throat> sorry I've got a cough Sorry But um, I, I do think Sometimes Arsene Wenger Gets praised for Well he, he waits for the right player He he won't just spend money For spending money's sake But I don't know What waiting for the right player Gets you Really I mean that just means You've got a season Or sometimes more In the interim Where you don't have The necessary Number of players Or type of players And um, I understand why he's very discerning about what he does. You know, I'm going to wait for the right centre-back. But if you wait too long, you just won't have any. Mm. And I think we're in a position now where it's, what's the best thing we can do with the money we have and who's available? And we've got no option, to be honest, but to do it.
0: Absolutely. And I do think, I think I said this on, on the blog the other day, that perhaps his reluctance to to bring in anybody at all is a consequence of bringing in players like Silvestre, like uh, scrilacci who didn't who didn't fit and who weren't a success Andre santos for example um mm. there were purchases made because he had to fill a gap in the squad not because they were necessarily the right player uh, so i think maybe that, that there's a reluctance there uh, because of that which in one way, you've got to say, well, look, you, you know, he's learning from his lesson. But the, the, the consequence of that this season is that, um, you know, we've broken Koscielny. Mertesacker looks a shadow of his former self. And that's about it in terms of our central defense. Callum Chambers, you know, I, I, I think he's a player of, of real potential. But I, I worry that he's being overplayed this season. Yeah, he desperately I and that he's not learning. Yeah, but but the, the issue as well is that what what is he learning when he's playing? If he's got if he's got and Kachanee and Gibbs, and he's one part of a a back four that he can then. Um, it, you know, he can slot in relatively easily, but he's been asked to play right back. He's been asked to play centre back. He's been asked to play alongside Murtisacker, alongside Koscielny, alongside, you know, the, the back four has been makeshift. Nobody knows quite how to hold it all together. Mm. So I do worry if it's it's uh, counterproductive in a way, or maybe it's a, it's a case that he's been thrown in at the deep end and it's sink or swim sort of stuff. So... So
1: there Possibly. Uh, in terms of my confidence, I, I do think we'll sign a central defender or at least a player that Arsene Vega thinks could be a central defender. <laughs> uh, but to be honest, I really think to balance the squad requires uh, one more midfielder uh, on the defensive side. And I, I don't have any real confidence that we'll do that one. The midfield player? Yeah. No.
0: No way. Just don't uh, see it. Unless he... Get some kind
1: of Swiss army knife player, you know, who possibly. could do both, possibly. But the, even if that's the case, it's probably unlikely that there'll be sort of a first choice level. I don't know. I, I, uh, yeah, but if you look at the amount of midfielders we've got out, that alone, I think, suggests we might need someone in that area of the park. Mm. Because
0: I, apparently I, we keep getting injuries. I think.
1: I think so. <laughs> I, I don't even know where DRB is now. I think they've stopped telling us.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's a whole that's a whole different thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm not even interested in going
1: down that road. <laughs> Would you have played Coquelin yesterday? Would you have started him over Chamberlain if Chamberlain wasn't, you know, fit? Um,
0: I think it probably, given how Oxley Chamberlain performed, um, you know, if he was at seventy-five percent or eighty percent, and was obviously willing to give it a go for the team because we didn't have anybody else, I think in hindsight you would say, yeah, probably playing Cockalan, while not ideal, would have been the best thing. Mm. Uh, but at the time, if Oxley Chamberlain is telling you, yeah, you know, I can give it a go, I'm feeling all right, it's not too bad, give me. The injection, I'll be fine. I think I can understand why Arsene Wenger did that too, because um, Oxlade Chamberlain's a better player than than
1: Cockerland. Yeah. It's easier with hindsight, isn't it? We, yeah. I think, we would have all have been desperate for Chamberlain to be on the pitch.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, I've got a question. Uh, okay, your turn. Uh, a <clears throat> long last. This comes from oh shit, uh, Dheeraj Prasai, who's mm-hmm. uh, at Junk and Master which is a much easier thing to say. So, uh, uh, Dheeraj, if that's how you pronounce it, please change your name to Junkin Master for for future questions. He says, do you think the team would benefit from a sports psychologist? Never seen a team haunted as much by past results.
1: Can you just repeat that? Because I just lost you. Have I ever seen a team haunted as much by past results?
0: No, he said, do you think the team would benefit from a sports psychologist?
1: Oh, well, do we know there isn't one? I think there is one, but it's um, but it's Paul McKenna or something. <laughs> it's Eileen Drewry. It's a charlatan. Don't no
0: comment. I, I, I just <laughs> I just think that it's it's one of those things that a player can choose to go to if they need to, but it's not mandatory. Right. It, right but then again how do you make it mandatory you've got to go see a psychologist what the fuck I'm a footballer you know
1: I I suppose I mean you'd think it'd be part of assessments you know it'd be part of in the same way that you track a player's physical health that you keep an eye on their their mental health too Um, I, I don't know I don't know I mean when Liverpool charged towards the title last year we heard an awful lot about the sports psychologist at Anfield didn't we I forget his name but he's with the England team as well and what a great job he was doing steve something but then where's he been this season you know steve mindfuck yeah exactly um i mean obviously if it's if it's something the club hasn't tried then it's something they ought to uh because it does feel like there is a sort of psychological issue with the team although maybe a shorthand for that is motivation and that tends to be a manager's responsibility, mm. not the responsibility of a psychologist, or, or the responsibility of individuals. The other thing I'd say is that I'm I'm not sure how much this defeat. Sorry, can I just pause, Andrew? My door's just gone. Yeah, go ahead. One sec. Sorry about that um, there was actually no one there So really weird I think oh. it's someone Trying to get someone To take a parcel For another property Right But he gave up on me Very quickly He certainly did Yeah he really did um, uh, Can I just carry on? Yeah do Do One thing I do think though Is that I'm not sure How valid Arsene Wenger's point That yesterday's Late concession Has anything to do With the 5-1 is Because A lot of those players Weren't on the field Uh, last season Mm. so I'm not sure that that result has a direct correlation with what happened at the weekend Um, but yeah I mean I don't know give it a whirl yeah bring someone in
0: (laughs) what do you think I think we should use a hypnotist fuck fuck a psychologist a hypnotist get them all sat down do the old look into my eyes bit and then go you can defend corners you will pick up men you will kick balls off the post Uh, You will not let Skirtle do this You're fucking awesome You're all brilliant at football Go out there and do it They'll Uh, never fall for that Maybe that would work (laughs)
1: Maybe that would work (laughs) Maybe but as I say Isn't that a team talk Yeah Yeah It is Isn't there a degree to which I mean I'm a a fan of sports psychology I suppose I'm a believer in its importance But I think the manager also has to have a responsibility For a lot of those things And the, Mm. the, the, the other coaching staff too All right, go on, let's have another one. Another cheery question. (laughs) Okay, um, let's have this one. This is from Spiral Scratch, uh, Scott Rogers. And they ask, putting aside yesterday, I don't know why we have to put that aside, I mean, we've dwelt on it long enough, what would constitute a good season for you now? Um, At this midway kind of point. What would constitute
0: a good season? Uh I don't know, I guess finishing top 4 and mm. maybe the cup winning the Champions
1: League. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know um what would constitute a good season now. I think the the best we can hope for is a top 4 finish. And that's not a good season really, is it? Well, no, not not after what happened last season. I don't think that that's a good season. Um because you know we expected more, we expected progress, and instead we've we've gone backwards, so what the what what yeah the, the I don't know, I don't know I just kind of if somebody said to me now uh here's fourth place, you're gonna lose five months of your life mm. and it it'd just all be over. I think, oh, I'd I'd, your hand off, yeah. I think I'd take that I think I'd take that Because then it would be summer holidays And I could go somewhere nice and warm And lie on a beach And worry about the rest of it in August
1: Well also you'd have a kind of clean slate Because I, I kind of feel like This season's already a bit of a, a busted flush Which is mad Because there are still competitions That have barely started The FA Cup, Champions League But yeah, I kind of feel like in terms of the Premier League, at any rate, we kind of need to start it all over again. Um, Yeah. we won't get to do that. No. For some months now. Yeah. So I think, given where we are and the problems that we have, uh, finishing top four is always the sort of basic standard, and I think would be something of an achievement given where we are but I think the real focus will be on how we progress in the Champions League because we've got that great draw with Monaco um would you say Monaco are as good as Liverpool or as good as Stoke <laughs> <laughs> Seriously Do You know what they've they've started picking up points in in uh in the French league as far as I'm aware they're actually putting some decent form together mm. which is worrying I think they are I don't know, probably somewhere in between. But um, it's still a good draw. It's still the best draw we could have hoped for. So I think a lot will hinge on how we get on against them and if we're able to go further. If we can get into the quarterfinals of the Champions League, I think that gives sort of a, a light at the end of this tunnel. You know, it'll give us something to cling on to because really, come sort of. March, April, May, you want to be in contention for something. Yeah. And I think that's probably our our best shot. Yeah. I I would agree. I, would um, agree. I
0: don't I don't have any more questions.
1: No? No. Okay. Well let's have let's have this one from uh, Ben oh his name's sorry, his name's not Ben. His name is Marek Benicki. And he asks That's definitely the, not Ben. No, no. But I can call him Ben like as his nickname. Mm-hmm. We're close like that. What's the biggest animal you think you could single-handedly cling film to a lamppost? (laughs) Single-handedly. I think he means on your own. I don't think you can only use one hand. Right.
0: That's a really good question. Because the thing about animals is they're squirmy. Like Mm -hmm. if you were to try and cling film an animal to a lamppost. Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking about my dog. Could I cling film Archer to a lamppost? And the answer. A better is, question
1: would be why, but let's ignore that.
0: Yeah, but I don't think I don't think that I could because, a, the you'd have to get the animal upright to really cling film him, right?
1: Yeah, I imagine he'd be like along the length of the lamppost. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I would say the answer to that is an animal that's kind of already standing on two feet. So some kind of monkey. So a really tame ape of some kind would be the biggest one.
1: Or about like an elephant, like something that's slow. Do you know what I mean? That might not even notice you doing it.
0: Yeah, but how do you get him over to the lamppost?
1: Like it's very difficult
0: to get an elephant from Africa or India to a lamppost. It doesn't mention the proximity of the... No, I mean, of you've of got the to take that into account. Um, the, the other thing maybe is if you, got, um, if you got a dolphin, for example, and took it out of the water. Now, that would be a challenge in itself. Yeah. Uh, it would be quite squirmy for a little while. Because you then, really hate dolphins, don't you? Then, <laughs> given the lack of, uh, you know, water and its breathiness... Yeah. Uh, it it would it would uh, it would be relatively docile and then you could you could uh, you could cling film it to a lamppost so that's, that's true
1: although it does breathe air let's not forget not
0: in indefinitely though oh I see right I guess <laughs> I don't know I mean so you would you would say a dolphin I would say a dolphin or a oh, a a small whale or a, a shark but again it's
1: you know a shark it? Shark. I would love to see you attempt to tape a shark to a lamppost. A live shark. That would yeah. be brilliant. What about like you it. then in terms of uh, what,
0: what would you cling film?
1: Oh, I don't know. I'm not uh, um, I'm not very strong. There aren't very good animals I would fancy wrestle with. Like an know. otter? Could you do an otter? I think a, like a stoat or a weasel. Yeah? Yeah. I think I could imagine a ferret. I could definitely
0: cling film
1: a ferret. And no. that would be, you know, interesting. would be the... like a sort of strange Christmas decoration. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if all... if Down Oxford Street, all the lampposts... Had ferrets cling film to them. Flaming ferrets attached to them. <laughs> I didn't say set them on
0: fire. Why are you setting them on fire? Because it's Christmas! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, ferrets, it's Christmas! <laughs> exactly. Well, look, I think we should probably leave it Let's there. Let's get out of here. Let's yeah. do it, man. Um... I guess we wish everybody a very happy Christmas. Um, Maybe we'll have an RSCast Extra next week, will we? Yeah, I think we will, probably. 29th. 29th, that's a Monday. Yeah, we can do do an RSCast Extra next week, so uh, you can join us for for that one. Uh, In the meantime, eat well, drink well, whatever you're doing, uh, do it well with friends and family, and have a good time.
1: Yeah, have a good one, guys.